If you have your Bibles, we're just going to jump right on into it. We're in the book of Joshua. Last Sunday, we looked at about claiming our victories. God's given us many, many promises. And the problem with us too many times over is that we're just not claiming what God has already given us. We see that even the children that Joshua led over that we made mention that God gave them over 300,000 square miles and even more so, but yet they only claimed 30,000 square miles of it. And many of us have done the same thing with the promises that God has given us. I don't know about you, but I think we ought to go ahead and claim everyone he's given us. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. And so we now come and we're going to find ourselves in Joshua chapter 2. And we're going to pick up in verse number 15. But there's some things that have taken place before we get there. Of course, we see that uh, Joshua now has sent two spies into Jericho. Been to Jericho, and we all know the story of Jericho. You'll see it more in detail when we get to chapter 6. But he goes and he sends the two spies. And the Bible tells us that they came to the house of a certain woman. Now, we know the woman. Her name was Rahab. We know about her reputation. We know that uh, she uh, was, the Bible says, that she was a harlot. Now, in the Hebrew, we understand that harlot can also mean an innkeeper. But Rahab, because of James in Hebrews, makes it quite clear of exactly what she was. But I find it interesting that we're now coming to claim the land that God has promised us. Isn't it interesting that the, the, the first one that the, the two spies came in contact with is a harlot. But she wasn't a harlot now. Oh, my dear friend, we all have a past. We all have things that we're ashamed of. But thanks be to God, if you've brought it under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, He's given you remission of your sins and He has set you free. Don't let your past dictate your future. And so here they come to her and uh, they have conversation with her. Now we see that she is a woman of faith. We're picking up in verse number 15. Uh, then she let them down by a cord through the window of, uh, for her house was upon the town's wall. And she dwelt upon the wall. Now the first thing that we're going to see this morning is, is we're going to claim uh, the promises that God has laid out for us and has given us we're going to meet some walls. We're going to meet some opposition. We're going to meet some trials and tribulations. But we also have that promise that He will give us the victory. 
Too many of us have quit. Too many of us, when we came to the wall, said that wall's way too strong for me to tear down. That wall is way too high for me to climb over. And you're right. But I got good news for you. He never expected for you to break down that wall. He never expected for you to climb that wall by yourself. He says, I will abide in you and you in me, and I will give you power to be able to overcome that wall. And so he, she goes uh, on and says, And she said unto them, Get ye uh, to the... Well, all right. I went too far. I hate technology. <laughs> Here we go. And she said unto them, Get ye uh, to the mountain, lest the persuader, uh, pursuers uh, will meet you and hide you yourselves uh, there for three days until the pursuers uh, be returned and afterwards may ye uh, th- th- then uh, may ye if I can get this stupid thing I know I'm not supposed to say that word and get you uh, and get your way and so here Rahab has talked to the spies and they have come with and we're going to look a bit they have come to an agreement She's told them that she's going to give them uh, an escape route. She's going to use a cord uh, or rope. And we're going to see a little bit more in detail what that curtails. And then she told them, just hide out for three days. They're going to be gone. And then you can get on about your way. And then look at verse number 17. It says, and, and the men said unto her, we will be blameless uh, of this time uh, and then he makes mention of an oath. They said, okay, we're, we're, we are made an oath. They're made in a covenant. They're made in agreement with one another, which thou hast uh, made us. And so they agreed with her that there she's going to get them out, and they said to her uh, that uh, we will come back. And now look at verse number 18. In verse number 18, it says uh, that when, you, when she, she's talking, Rahab's talking to him, it says, when, you, when you, we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line. Now, here's what we're going to look at. And I know many of you have asked about this rope. Many of you are all concerned about the rope. There's some of you concerned that someone put it up there. And if I messed up today, then I was going to meet my fate. Some of you were worried that I was going to go ahead and wrap this thing around you and drag you out. I mean, there's all kinds of things. But we're going to tell you what that rope represents and what that rope means here as we continue to read. And so they're saying, now, here's what you need to do for us. When we come, they said, go ahead and bind the line of scarlet. It's red. They call it a scarlet thread. And put it in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And look, and then they said, if you continue to read on, they said, And those that are in your household, all will be saved. This morning, 
we're going to look at a message and a picture of faith. I've entitled this morning's message, a very simple one, A Red Rope. Here we see that the story goes, uh, uh, she has now has a red rope. Now, in verse number 15, it calls it a cord. But we also see later on uh, that it was referred to as a scarlet thread. In the Hebrew, the cord, the meaning of the cord is a company or a group of people. Now stay with me. We're going to see, first of all, the center of her faith. The center of her faith was this red rope. It wasn't this one, no, but uh, uh, a red rope. She painted it red. She made it out of flax rope. Now we all understand a couple of things about the rope that she had made. First of all, it was scarlet red. Red signifies wickedness. We understand when you use it uh, in the uh, as a noun, it's a color. But when you use it as an adjective, it describes wickedness. See, when she took this rope and when she threw it out her window and it was red, the first thing that we see is that it signified her past life. She was a sinner. She was undone. She was doing things that were con contrary to the Word of God and the law of the Lord. And so we see when she would look at that red rope, it would remind her of her past. My dear friend, this morning, if we're going to conquer, if we're going to win victories, we have to realize that we had a past. But our past no longer dictates who we are today or who we are tomorrow. And so when she looked at that, she was reminded of her sin. The Bible is quite clear that sin separates us from God. In Isaiah chapter 59 verse number 2, it says because of sin, he will hide his face from us. And so we see that it was a picture, if you will, of sin. But there's another thing that uh, the scarlet uh, makes reference to. It's the color red. Red is the color of blood. We see here that when uh, Rahab oh, hung this out, she lowered the men by that. Now, understand this, where we're going. Help me, help me now. We, we see that the cord is bound. And the more uh, bounding and the more cords that you have around, the stronger the rope. First of all, it's a picture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound. We are hung together. We are interlaced one together. First of all, because every one of us here this morning has had a sin issue. So there's somebody here this morning that you have a sin issue. You know that if you were to die today that you would bust hell wide open because you came to understand. You've said it under the gospel preaching many times over. You understand that the only ones who will be able to go to heaven is because the ones that have been covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my dear friend, if you're here this morning and you have sin in your life, unconfessed sin, unrepented sin, I got good news for you. We're throwing your lifeline out today and you just need to come and grab hope and you just need to get under the blood of Jesus Christ that will set you free and set you free forevermore. Amen. And so we see that it's the blood. 
As we look at the blood, we are reminded that it's always been about the blood. We see back in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 21, that the Garden of Eden there, God had an innocent animal killed so that he could provide covering for the nakedness of Adam and Eve. Oh, what a picture that is for us. Because when you come under the shed blood of Jesus Christ, he covers you with his forgiveness. He covers you with his grace. He covers you with forgiveness. And so we see here uh, the center of her faith was the scarlet thread. Now this scarlet thread goes throughout the scriptures. We see not only do we see it in the garden, but we also see with Cain and Abel. We're going to hear a little bit more about Abel as we're uh, going to be in chapter 11 tonight in Hebrews. But Abel, we understand he had the more excellent sacrifice. Why was his sacrifice the more excellent one? Because we understand Cain's was not a blood sacrifice. Abel's was a blood sacrifice. It's always been about the blood. And so we even know that our Jewish friends, if they read their book, the Torah, they will see there in Leviticus chapter 16 and also going through chapter 17, even the Old Testament reminds them without blood, there's no atonement for sin. And we need to understand today that if we're going to have victories won, if we're going to be able to break walls down, we got to get under the blood. And so here, not only does it stop there, but then the day of atonement, when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, uh, once a year he would take a blood sacrifice and then he would sprinkle the blood. I'm telling you, then we come and we see that the new covenant comes into existence. And of course, that's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's because of his shed blood that we have forgiveness of our sins today. It's always been about the blood. And so we see that the center of her faith and the center of our faith should be it's all about the blood and so she hung the rope out but then we also see she had a concerned faith if you continue reading there you'll see that she made a request she made a request to the spies she says now here she says uh, I'm, I'm concerned about my family And they even told her, go and get your family, bring them into your house. Now notice here, her house was the only one that had the red rope hanging out of it. Hers was the only one that was covered by the blood. See, we go back to Exodus and we understand that Exodus tells us that when the death angel came there in in Exodus where it talks about the death angel, that it would put the blood over the doorpost. And the Bible tells us, and the angel would pass over the blood. My dear friend, we need to understand and you ought to rejoice today that if you've been on the rope and you've grabbed the rope and you've come under the blood, the death angel will pass over you and he's given you life. Life, life abundant, but praise God, he's given you eternal life. All because of the blood. And so as we, under the blood, we see that we ought to be concerned. We ought to be concerned about our family. It's interesting to me that we're concerned about a lot of things today. And I'm not saying it's all bad. Some of you are concerned about your retirement funds. I can identify with that. 
Some of you are concerned about the stock market. Some of you are concerned about how our nation's going. We should have those concerns. Some of you are concerned about your children. Some of you are concerned about, oh, where are we going to find them the money to get them into the right school? We have all kinds of concerns. And I'm not saying those concerns are wrong, but it's interesting to me that it seems like we're more concerned with the temporal things than we are the eternal things. Her, she, Rahab, was grateful for her salvation, but she was concerned about her family. This morning in Sunday school, you should have uh, gotten a prayer card. And we're asking to put seven names down on that prayer card and for you to pray for them on a daily basis. We also asked you that four of those seven names would be lost people that you know. You know somebody at work that's lost. You know somebody that you're going to school that's lost. You need to put those names down and you need to be concerned enough about their salvation that you're going to pray for them on a daily basis. Churches without time that we got concerned with the things that really matter. We ought to be concerned about the souls of people. We ought to be concerned about those in the shadows of this church that are dying and going to hell. We ought to be concerned that we have an epidemic of of drugs, addiction and all that and they're dying every day. And they're now saying, now the, the whole country is, is concerned. It's an epidemic. We have people that are dying on a, on a, every day. They're dying. And we are concerned about that. But my dear friend, we ought to be more concerned about their soul. Because if they die without Jesus Christ, then they're going to hell. That ought to concern us. It ought to concern us, young people, that you're going to school and you're going with the hip-hop crowd and you see them and you see the others and you see the potheads and you see all of them and you stay away from them. And I'm not saying you don't need to do that, but uh, at the time, you ought to be concerned. You ought to be concerned that they're there if they're to die without Jesus Christ, they go to hell. Church, I think we've lost sight of that. Because we're so stinking concerned about me and my four and no more. And it's time for us to get our lifeline, to get our scarlet thread out and let people know we're concerned about them and we're so concerned about them that we want them to get under the blood. So then we see Andrew. Andrew was concerned when he got saved. He was concerned about his brother, Simon. And right after he gets saved, what does he do? He goes to his brother and tells him what happened to him. See, you don't have to be well-versed in scriptures to be able to share with someone what Jesus did for you. Just go ahead and tell them what Jesus did for you. That's what Rahab did. Rahab just went ahead and told her family and by her sign, she just threw that cord out. But we also see the leper. Remember the leper when he was cleansed? Right after he was cleansed, he went and he told everybody he came in contact with. So we need to understand, just like Rahab, we ought to have a faith that's concerned about people that are going to hell. So we now come And we see, not only do we see the concerned faith, but we also see a covenant faith. 
All through the scriptures we see that God made covenants. The first covenant we know that he made was there in the garden. We also see that as he went through the garden, he also made a covenant with Noah. Then we go and he sees that not only does he make a covenant with Noah, but he made a covenant with Abraham. Then he also goes and he makes a covenant with the land of Israel or the, the Israelites, the Israelites, and he promised them this land. Now I'm going to go ahead and get a little political on this one now, but you just bear with me. Here we see very clearly that God promised them. God made a covenant with this people that this land is your land. And you can go ahead and say yeah, you're getting plural. It's in the Bible. And that's the very reason why we're having the problems where we're having in the Middle East. All because they're not buying to this covenant. And they've appeased it. Uh, and they've given in, and they're giving in, and they're wanting to give in anymore. I want you to know, and I know that I'm not running for president, but I'm glad at least our, the president that we have now has a little bit of some sense about him to understand that this land that they're fighting on doesn't belong to the Palestinians. It belongs to God's people. I'll go to the UN and tell them that. It's the Bible. God made a covenant with his people. But now he doesn't stop. He made a covenant with us. He made, we're now, understand today, this morning, you're under the new covenant. Amen. And the new covenant, what is that about? It's about the blood. And that new covenant is because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. You're here this morning. You need to understand. You might not adhere to it. You might not understand it. But you're still under the age of grace and you're under the new covenant. And you need to realize this morning that Jesus Christ always delivers on his promises. And he has promised us that when he went and died for us, he died for your sin. He died for my sin. He also promised, he told them beforehand that he would be in the grave three days and then he was going going to get up. He also promised them that he was going to go and he was going to be at the right hand of the Father and he's right at the right hand of the Father even today. God delivers in all of his promises and then he goes on and says and he will come again. And this morning if you're lost I got news for you the rapture could happen this morning and if you're not under the blood you're not going, but you can. Well, how do I do that? By faith, Amen. just like Rahab. Rahab, by faith, knew God. And because of her faith, we see that the center of her faith was a red rope that signified the blood. Amen. Because of her faith, she was concerned about her family. And also we see that she understood that she was under a covenant. God had agreed with her and God has agreed with us that he will save you. That part's taken care of. But like any covenant, any agreement, it takes two. God's done his part. He's the one that sent his only son to die 
in your place and to shed his blood for the remission of your sin. That part of the covenant's a done deal. Your part is left up to you. You can either accept or you can deny. My dear friend, you need to understand this morning a scarlet thread has been thrown out. It's up to you to grab hope. We're not going to manipulate you. We're not going to beg you, plead with you, but we're going to encourage you and we're going to pray for you that you get hope of the scarlet thread because it's the only way to be saved. But then we go on and we see when God made these covenants, He would always give a sign, if you will. He would give a sign to Abraham of the covenant that He made with Abraham, circumcision. We see that the, uh, with uh, Israel, uh, that on the Day of Atonement, uh, they would sprinkle the book of the law and they would sprinkle the people. But then we also see that when Jesus became our new covenant, we see that he gave a sign by the bread and by the cup. See, when we come around the Lord's table, it may be a little wafer and it may be some grape juice, but it's to remind us of the beating that our Lord Jesus took on our behalf. And the cup represents the blood that he shed so that we could go free. Here, the sign that there was a covenant between the spies and Rahab was the scarlet thread. But notice, she had it hanging out of her window. I don't know about you, but I find it kind of interesting. God always puts people in our paths that we need. I believe that. Because there's times when we cannot claim our blessing or our promises by ourselves. Sometimes he brings somebody alongside us to go with us. Many of you, if I were to ask you, who was instrumental? Who was instrumental in your salvation experience? That name's going to pop up just like that. I remember my brother. My brother was saved in 1979. My, I was not saved. My In 1981, my brother had a horrible accident there in Texas. We're flying to Dallas, Texas, and then we're going to have to drive on in uh, to where he was at. The pastor, uh, my brother's pastor, went with us. And he was sharing with me, and he was talking to me, and and, uh, God was speaking to me. And uh, when we got there, we didn't know if my brother was going to be alive. We didn't know what the circumstances, long story short, uh, comes back. We bring him back to Vanderbilt. He had uh, brain surgery. Uh, He's uh, uh, doing uh, well. He knows the Lord. He's involved in his church. And uh, I started looking at my brother. Now, my brother wasn't very uh, vocal. 
But I saw there was something different about my brother. I started to take notice. And in 1981, I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ because God put two people in my life. He put my brother and he put my brother's pastor who later become my pastor. It might be somebody that you worked with that shared their faith with you. It might be a Sunday school teacher. Whatever the case may be, God puts people in our past that's going to help us to be able to claim the promises that God has given us. Rahab was a woman of faith. The spies met her, but they met her at a wall. We know how the story ends. When they came and invaded a little bit later on, the walls were flattened except one section. And that section was where the red rope hung from Rahab's window. My dear friend, some of you have some walls. Ecclesiastes says it this way. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. Everything there is a season. There's times when we need to tear walls down, but then there's times when we need to build walls up. And some of you have walls that need to be tore down. You're not able to claim what God has given you. You're not able to see victory in your life like you're wanting to see victory because you have a wall that's separating you. It could be a wall of jealousy. It could be a wall where your anger is controlling you. It could be a wall of pridefulness. It could be, and we could go on through the list. Here we understand that Rahab had to tear down a wall before she was able to stay in a wall that was standing up. She had issues with men. She sold herself. But then she came to realize she needed a Savior. And she got under the blood. You'll never be able to claim the victories that God has in store for you until you first and foremost tear down that wall that's separating you from knowing God. The Bible is quite clear. In Romans chapter 3 verse 25 it says here, it says that, uh, that there's faith in the blood. We also see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21, that because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, He's made us righteous. Amen. But then we also see it in 1 John 2, 2. He said that what Jesus Christ did for us was not just for a select few, it was for all. That all includes you this morning. Here's the question. Church, I know many of you are saved. You profess to be uh, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But how tight are you woven into the fellowship? Amen. See, this not only can lower people, but it also can lift them up. You're a part of this, Hillcrest Baptist Church. That's what we're about. We are about lifting people up. 
But also, if you're here this morning and you've never come under the blood, you've never accepted what Jesus Christ has done for him, my dear friend, you'll never ever to break, you cannot break the walls down that are separating you. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can break that wall down. Believer, some of you's got some walls that's hindering you. You need to need, and you need to grab hold for the rope, and you need to bring it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Some of you may have a wall of unforgiveness. Get it under the blood. Some of you maybe have some self-righteousness about you. You need to get that under the blood. We need to understand if we're going to move forward, if you're going to move forward, we got to put it under the blood. This invitation is for you. Lost person, you need to get under the blood. You need to understand church attendance does not save you. Being on a church roll does not save you. Reading your Bible, all of that's well and good, but that does not. What's only the thing that can save you is that you recognize that you need to get under the blood. And because of what Jesus Christ did for you, and that's the only thing that can save you, it's not your works, it's not your attitude, it's not that you're nice, it's getting under the blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Hillcrest Baptist Church, no matter what the devil's throwing in us and we can go ahead and, and blame and point and fingers and all that but what we need to start doing is just claiming the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to remind Satan that this is not his property. We're not his people and we're just claiming and we're letting him know that we're under the blood. He cannot penetrate the blood of Jesus Christ.